ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا ومن سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضلل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له واشهد ان محمدا عبده ورسوله صلى الله عليه وسلم اما بعد we continue with the explanation of the 40 hadith of al-imam an-nawawi rahimahullah ta'ala rahmatan wasi'a we arrive to al-hadith at-tasi' the ninth hadith on abi hurairah abdul rahman ibn sakhr radiyallahu an قال سمعت رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم يقول ما نهيتكم عن فاجتنبوا وما امرتكم به فاتوا منه ما استطعتم فانما اهلك الذين من قبلكم كثره مسائلهم واختلافهم على انبيائهم رواه البخاري ومسلم so we arrive to the ninth hadith, and this narration is on the authority of Abi Huraira Abdul Rahman ibn Sakhr. May Allah be pleased with him. He said, I heard the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam say, That which I prohibit you from, stay away from it. And that which I command you to do, do of it as much as you have the ability to do. For indeed, that which destroyed those who were before you was their excessive questioning and their differing with their prophets. This narration is recorded in the Sahih of Imam al-Bukhari as well as that of Imam Muslim. As for the narrator of the hadith, He is Abdul Rahman ibn Sakhr al Dawsi, and others have said he is Abdullah ibn Amr. But that which is more famous is the first name, Abdul Rahman ibn Sakhr al Dawsi. And he is well known by the surname Abu Huraira. And the name Abu Huraira means the father of like the kittens and it is mentioned on the authority of Abdullah <coughs> ibn Rafi' qala qultu li Abi Huraira lima kunnita Aba Huraira Abdullah ibn Rafi' he said I said to Abu Huraira why were you given the surname of Abu Huraira And Abu Hurairah an, he went on to mention Kuntu Ara Ghanama Ahli Fakanat Li Huraira Sahira Fakuntu Fakuntu Adaruha Bilail Fi Shajaratin Faida Kanan Nahar Dahabtu Biha Ma'i Fa'alibtu Biha Fakanoni Abu Hurairah so Abu Huraira he mentioned 
that he used to tend to some livestock which belonged to his family and he had a small kitten that he used to put in a tree during the night and then in the daytime he would go and get the kitten and he would play with the kitten so as a result of that his family gave him the surname Abu Huraira the father of the kitten some have mentioned that it was the Prophet وسلم, who gave him the surname Abu Huraira but some of the ulama they say that has to be looked into for what's apparent from the other narration is that it was the family of Abu Huraira who gave him the surname Abu Huraira and this was before he came to the Prophet Abu Huraira he accepted Islam in the seventh year and he spent a few years with the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and in this short time he memorized a lot from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and he learned a lot from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam and there is a narration that comes in the Sahih of Imam Al-Bukhari Rahimahullah Abu Huraira he said Qult Ya Rasulullah Inni sami'tu minka hadithan kithira Fa'ansahu Qala Rasulullah Sallallahu alayhi wa sallam Ubsud rida'ak Faqala Abu Huraira Fabasattuhu Fagharafa biyaday Fihi Thumma qala dhumma Imam al-Bukhari, he mentions this narration where Abu Huraira stated, I said, O Messenger of Allah, indeed, I have heard many hadith from you. And then afterwards, I forget some of them. So the Prophet told him, spread your overgarment your outer garment your, or your upper garment spread it out so he said I spread out my upper garment so the Prophet وسلم, he took his two hands and went like this and went like that into the garment like it's as if he scooped something up and put it into the garment but there was nothing there that Abu Huraira can see so the Prophet he took his two hands and made like a scooping motion that he scooped something up and then poured it into the upper garment of Abu Huraira. And then he told Abu Huraira, okay, close it up and wrap yourself in it. And Abu Huraira, he did so. And he said, I didn't forget anything after that. And this was from the signs of the Prophet ﷺ being a true prophet and messenger. For this was, or as we would say, a miracle. But the better terminology is a sign. And this is from the virtues of Abu Huraira radiallahu anhu. 
and that the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam did this as a means for him to remember the narrations or the ahadith on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Abu Hurairah he has the most narrations from the companions on the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. But you have from amongst the Orientalists and the adversaries of Al-Islam who try to criticize and belittle Abu Hurairah and the intent behind that is that if they can belittle and tarnish the credibility of Abu Hurairah then those thousands and thousands of narrations he narrated they all go down with his credibility and that's the issue when you find people attacking Abu Hurairah the real intent is to attack the narrations that he has narrated because in those narrations you have the clarification of the deen of al-Islam and the correct aqidah and the correct way to worship Allah and the refutation against bid'ah and the people of bid'ah so they attack Abu Hurairah so that they can discredit the narrations so you find all types of statements being made from those who claim to be Muslims speaking ill of Abu Hurairah in order to discredit the thousands of narrations that he has narrated another point barakallahu feekum is that Abu Hurairah he was one who was diligent in sticking with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa as he did not allow business trade or the likes to busy his time rather he spent his time being with the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa and this was the reason why he had so many narrations because he would stick close to the Prophet sallallahu every day and alhamdulillah his sticking with the Prophet sallallahu turned out to be a great benefit for this ummah for we hardly read a narration except that we see on the authority of Abu Hurairah radiallahu so his contribution to Islam is great and we must honor him as he is one of the companions of the Prophet sallallahu and we defend him from those who speak ill about him for the Prophet sallallahu he made dua to Allah to love those who love him meaning Abu Hurairah and his mother as we know the mother of Abu Hurairah at one point she hated Islam and she had no desire to become a Muslim and Abu Hurairah he was sad about this affair he cried about this and he went to the Prophet وسلم, seeking help as it relates to his mother and the Prophet وسلم, made dua that Allah guide the mother of Abu Hurairah <coughs> radiallahu anhu al-Islam and Allah Azza wa Jal he answered the dua of the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam 
And when Abu Huraira, he went to return home, his mother had told him, don't come in as she was bathing. And then she put on the hijab and then she testified to La ilaha illallah Muhammad Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And this is an example of how Abu Huraira was a person of goodness. Here it is, his mother, she wasn't a Muslim. But Abu Huraira, he tried with her many times to call her to that which is correct and for her to be guided to the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And even with the many times that she refused to accept Islam, he didn't give up. And this is an example for us who have non-Muslim family members. Don't give up on your family. Continue to call them to Islam. And for the best ways to call them to Islam is through your mannerisms and your character and how you deal with them. The best way to call them to Islam is to show them the beauty of Islam through your practice. Yes, we call them verbally, for this is the da'wah to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But da'wah is not just a verbal da'wah. Also, the da'wah to Allah Azawajal is done by way of the demonstration and the practice and the mannerisms that we observe and then the people they see. And they see the beauty of Islam through our practice. For many of the people of the past, they accepted Islam from their interaction with the Muslims and seeing the good mannerisms of the Muslims. So Abu Huraira radiallahu an, he was a righteous son who cared about his mother. And he was a cause by the permission of Allah for his mother being guided to Islam. So for those of us who have mothers that are not Muslims, don't give up on them. Continue to call them to Islam, make dua to Allah that Allah guides them and be good to them and display good mannerisms. And perhaps Allah Azza wa Jal will guide them to Al-Islam. No one should never think that it's too late. As long as the person is alive, there's a chance. Sometimes we call our family members or colleagues or people that we know to Islam and they reject Islam the first time, the second time and the third time and then we give up. And we say, oh, this person is not going to become a Muslim. Now don't have that type of opinion. You have individuals who fought against the Prophet ﷺ and sought to harm him physically and then later on became Muslims. Look at Abu Sufyan. He had wars with the Prophet ﷺ. And then in the end he became a Muslim. He's from the best of the Muslims. He's from the companions of the Prophet ﷺ. Look at Khalid bin Walid radiallahu anhu. He fought against the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. He was responsible for the death of many Muslims in the battle of Uhud. But later on, he accepted Islam. Afwan? In the beginning, Nam, he was an adversary to the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he was against the Muslims. And he was staunch against the Muslims. And then the Prophet made dua. 
that Allah either guide him or Abu Jahl, whichever one is more beloved to him, and it turned out to be Umar. And Umar radiallahu anhu was guided to Islam. So the point is that no one should give up. No matter how much you may find that a person doesn't accept Islam, continue to give da'wah in the best manner. And continue to be the good example as it relates to what Islam is. This narration, Barakallahu Fiku, is a tremendous narration as in it the principle is extracted that Al Mashaqqa Tajribu Taysir that whenever there is difficulty, then there's going to come a rule that's going to bring about ease. And this principle is one of the five major uh, fiqh principles. You have al-umur ala maqasidiha, that matters are based upon the intentions. You have al-mashaqqa tajribu taysir that when there's difficulty, then ease is going to come because the religion is going to have a ruling in place to remove the difficulty and bring the ease. You have al-darar yuzal, that harm is to be removed. You have al-yaqeen la yuzal bishak, that certainty is not removed by, uh, by doubt. You have al-ada muhakkama that the customary affairs are used as a, a judge. So from these the major fiqh principles, al-mashaqqa tajribu at-taysir. Al-mashaqqa tajribu at-taysir. So you have the matters are based upon intentions. You have that harm is to be removed. Right? You have that the hardship brings about ease, certainty is not removed by doubt, and the customary affairs are used as a judge. Can anyone give me an example that matters are based upon intentions? Al-umur ala maqasidiha. Matters are based upon intentions. Can you give me an example? What's intended here? Yeah. Uh, okay. So what's the proof for that? But what's the proof for that principle? Asan. The hadith. Innam al-a'mal bin the actions are based upon intentions. And for every person is that which he has intended. Or as the Prophet mentioned, Whoever builds a house for Allah, or whoever builds a masjid for Allah, so here's the intentions, it's for Allah. Ben Allahu lahu baytan fil jannah. Allah will build for him a house in paradise. So matters are based upon the intentions. If a person intends good, he receives good. As for uh, 
harm is to be removed. Who has the proof for that? That's one of the major principles. Al-Darar Yuzal. Harm is to be removed. You have the statement of the Prophet Sallallahu There is to be no harm or reciprocating harm. Anything that harms a person, you have the text to remove that matter of fear. Allah says, anfusakum." Don't kill yourselves. Allah says, Don't let your hands be the cause of your destruction. So the religion has come to protect the Muslims. This principle is in place to protect your life, to protect your wealth, to protect your, your honor, to protect your, your mental state, to protect other than that, your lineage. So we have rules and regulations in place to remove harm. As for al-yaqeen la yuzal bishak, that certainty is, is uh, not removed by doubt, then it's the narration where the Prophet said regarding when a person feels something in their stomach while they're in Salat and the person imagines that he has passed gas and the Prophet told him not to leave the Salat unless what? He hears something or he smells something. So that's what? That's certainty. What's in his stomach and him imagining, that's what? That's the doubt. So if there's doubt, the doubt is not going to take the place of the certainty. You are certain that you have wudu, but you doubt whether or not you broke your wudu. So what's the, what's the state? You have the wudu. Okay, you're certain that you broke your wudu, but you're doubtful whether you made it or not. What's your state? You don't have wudu. You don't have wudu. So that's the meaning of that principle or an example for the principle that certainty is not removed by doubt. If you have certainty about a matter, doubt cannot remove that certainty. An example, we know a person is a Muslim. We know the person to be Muslim. But this individual has said some doubtful things. Is he a Muslim or a disbeliever? He's a Muslim because we are certain about the person being a Muslim. So a person whose Islam is established by certainty, it cannot be removed except with certainty. As mentioned by the likes of Imam Al-Qurtubi, مَنْ ثَبَتَ إِسْلَامُهُ بِالْيَقِينَ Whoever's Islam is established by way of certainty, then he does not leave the fold of Islam except through certainty because you cannot remove certainty with doubt then you have that the customs are used as a judgment and the example of that is the woman whose husband died in the time of the Prophet before a mahar was agreed upon. The husband knew he had to give her a mahar, but they never agreed as to what it's going to be. 
So the Prophet وسلم, judge that she be given a mahr according to the status of the woman of her people that's similar to her. Or the, or the woman that she's similar to amongst the people. Normally what that woman would get, the Prophet used that custom as a judgment for her to receive a dowry according to that amount. And like there are many other examples that can be given. But here this narration is a proof for al-mashakka tajribut taysir. Also, another principle that's mentioned, darul mafasid muqaddam ala jalb al-masalih. That the repelling of harm takes precedence over bringing about benefit. The repelling of harm takes precedence over bringing about benefit. This narration has a story connected to it. One day the Prophet was speaking to the people. And he said, Ya ayyuhan nas, qad furida alaykum al-hajj fuhujju. O people, hajj has been made obligatory upon you, so make the hajj. So a man stood up, and in some wordings, it was al-aqra ibn habis. He said, am, ya Rasulullah. So a man stood up, or Al-Aqra bin Habis stood up, he said, Do we have to make Hajj every year, O Messenger of Allah? Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Fasakata Hatta So the Messenger Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam he remained silent, he didn't say anything. Until the Sahabi repeated his question three times. فَقَالَ رَسُولُ اللَّهِ صَلَى اللَّهُ عَلَيْهِ وَسَلَّمْ لَوْ قُلْتُ نَعَمْ لَوَجِبَتْ وَلَمَ اسْتَطَعْتُمْ He said, وسلم, if I had said yes, then Hajj would be obligatory upon you every year and you would not have the ability to do it. Then he went on to say, ذَرُونِي مَا تَرَكْتُكُمْ Leave me with that which I have left you with. I mean, if I tell you something, then leave it as that. فَإِنَّمَا حَلَكَ مَنْ كَانَ قَبْلَكُمْ بِكَثْرَةِ سُؤَالِهِمْ وَاخْتِلَافِهِمْ عَلَىٰ أَنْبِيَائِهِمْ For indeed, that which destroyed the previous nations before you was their excessive questioning and differing with their prophets. فَإِذَا أَمَرْتُكُمْ بِشَيْءٍ فَأْتُ مِنْهُ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ Therefore, when I command you to do something, do it as much as you're able to do. And when I prohibit you from something, then leave it off. Then leave it off. The statement of the Prophet Whatever I prohibit you from, stay away from it. 
there is a principle that which is prohibited in al-Islam it is prohibited because that matter is entirely evil or overwhelmingly evil whatever is prohibited in al-Islam it is prohibited because that matter is entirely evil or overwhelmingly evil one or the other and whatever is commanded in al-Islam that the person should do it's because that matter is entirely good or overwhelmingly good so when it comes to the prohibitions and the commandments we have to understand that this is based upon the wisdom of Allah because what the Prophet prohibits or commands this is from Allah not from himself as Allah Azza wa Jal states, وَمَا يَنْتِكُ عَنِ الْهَوَى إِنْ هُوَ إِلَّا وَحْيُ يُوحَى And he, meaning he, the Prophet, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he doesn't speak from his desires, it is only revelation that's revealed to him. So when the Prophet says, don't do something, or stay away from something, this is revelation from Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. And when Allah has revealed that something is to be stayed away from or abandoned it's because that matter is entirely evil or overwhelmingly evil and likewise when the prophet commands with a command this is not coming from himself it's coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and whatever Allah azawajal has commanded by way of revelation is because that matter is entirely good or overwhelmingly good The origin of a prohibition is forbiddance. The origin of a prohibition is forbiddance. And the origin of something that is forbidden is that you have to stay away from it. And what's intended by the origin of a prohibition is forbiddance that when you see in the Quran or in the Sunnah that something is forbidden then the origin is that that matter is haram unless there comes another text that shows that the matter is not haram but disliked you as an example you see a text that says don't do something and then there come another text that the Prophet himself did it. The scholars say this means that the matter is disliked. And the Prophet did it only to show that the, 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 the forbiddance was a forbiddance of dislike and not a, forbiddance of prohibi not a prohibition of dislike and not a prohibition of forbiddance. But when there is no other text, then it remains upon the origin that the prohibition is a prohibition of tahreem it is forbidden, haram until there's something that's going to come to say it's a matter that is disliked an example the Prophet ﷺ forbade a person to stand and drink but then he himself drank zamzam water standing 
books, understood? So the scholars say it's disliked for a person to stand up and drink. And it's better that the person does what? He sits down and he drinks. Allah Azza wa Jal, he mentions in the Quran, and this was in relation to Al-Khamar and gambling, and other than that, Fajtanibu la'allakum tuflihu. Fajtanibu la'allakum tuflihu. Stay away from it. When you stay away from Khamar, stay away from gambling, stay away from sacrificing animals upon altars and making decisions based upon shooting of the arrows and other than that stay away from these these matters these prohibited things in order that you may be successful so we extract from this that when a person stays away from the haram he will be what successful when a person stays away from the haram he will be successful. Allah Azza wa Jal, he mentions establishing the correct position that we are to take as believers when it comes to the prohibitions and the commandments. Allah Azza wa Jal, he states, مَا كَانَ لِمُؤْمِن وَلَا مُؤْمِنَا إذا قضى الله ورسوله أمرا أن يكون لهم الخيرة من أمرهم ومن يعص الله ورسوله فقد ضل ضلالا مبينا and it is not befitting for the believing man or the believing woman when Allah and His Messenger has decreed a matter that they have a choice in the affair and whoever disobeys Allah and His Messenger has clearly Straight. So whenever something from the Quran comes to us of a command, whether it's the commandment to do something or the commandment to stay away from something, or a commandment has reached us from the Prophet ﷺ, whether it is the commandment to do something or the commandment to stay, to stay away from something, our position is that سَمِعْنَا وَأَطَعْنَا We hear and we obey. It is not for us to have like a choice in the matter like oh well I'm going to do this I know the Quran and the Sunnah says that but I'm doing this I'm going to follow this this is not befitting for the believing man nor the believing woman because a part of Iman is not to put yourself before Allah and His Messenger as Allah says, Ya ayyuhalladina amanu, la tuqaddimu bayna yadayillahi wa rasuli. Oh, you who believe, don't put yourself before Allah and His Messenger. And what's meant by that, here it is, we have the Quran, and here it is, you have the Sunnah, but you put your personal preferences in front of obedience to Allah and the Sunnah. This is not from the characteristics of true faith and strong faith. The one who does this, this individual, his faith is weak, deficient, or either the person doesn't have faith at all, depending on the individual and depending on the matter. 
But every time a person sins and disobeys Allah, he put himself before Allah and his messenger. You put your desires before Allah and the messenger. So now that's an indication that there's a defect in our faith. And that's something that we have to rectify. Because the more we disobey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and the more we disobey the Messenger وسلم, a black spot is placed on the heart and it grows and it grows and it grows until eventually it covers the heart. And this is what the Prophet وسلم, mentioned. And then he mentioned the statement of Allah, Kalla bal rana ala ma kanu Nay, rather there is a, a covering over their heart for, from that which they earn, meaning from their sins. Due to their sins, there's a covering over their heart. So every time a person disobeys Allah, and disobeys the Prophet وسلم, he doesn't make tawbah, then the heart it, it gets sick or more sick with every sin. The black spot is growing and is growing. So for this, whenever the Prophet tells us to stay away from something, leave it. Leave it all. And don't second guess. Have faith that this is for our own good. Don't try to rationalize things as you find some people. They, they have to rationalize the matter before adhering to it. No, this is something coming from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And we know that Allah's legislation is based upon His knowledge, based upon, because Allah is Al-Alim. We know the legislation is based upon Allah's Hikmah, because Allah is who? Al-Hakim. We know it's based upon the mercy of Allah. Allah is Ar-Rahman, Ar-Rahim. So the Islamic legislation is based upon wisdom, knowledge, mercy. So we don't second guess what reaches us from the Quran and the Sunnah because we know it's for our own good even if you may not know all of the wisdoms behind why a matter is legislated you don't ha you're not obligated to know all of the wisdoms one thing you, you know for sure is a commandment from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala it is a matter of worship and it's for your own good you know that for a fact even if you don't know the other wisdoms or the reasons behind a matter being legislated, you know that this is a command from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that the, in carrying out the command, there's going to be a benefit for us. And this is our worship of our Lord subhanahu wa ta'ala. So whatever Allah has commanded and made obligatory upon us to do, we must do it. And whatever Allah has prohibited and made obligatory for us to stay away from it, we must stay away from it. And this is a part of Iman. And here's a benefit from this narration. When it comes to prohibitions, everyone has the ability to stay away from the prohibition. But when it comes to commandments, not everyone has the ability. And that's clear in the wording, because the prophet said, whenever I prohibit you from something, stay away from it. And whenever I command you to do something, do it as much as you are able to do. The prophet didn't say, 
whatever I prohibit you from, stay away from it as much as you're able to. He didn't use that terminology. Because everyone has the ability not to do the haram. Because what is it? Just leave it alone, don't do it. What's easier? Move the mountain or don't touch the mountain? Huh? Don't touch the mountain, right? Now moving the mountain, that's, <laughs> that's going to be difficult, very difficult, right? But if you're between the two things, then for sure the easier one is don't touch it. Because all you have to do is just don't touch it. Same thing, don't drink khamar. Don't commit fornication and adultery. Don't commit shirk. Just don't do it. Stay away from it. But now when it comes to pay your zakat, you may be poor. You don't have any money to pay zakat. Make the hajj. You don't have any money to make hajj. Or you have the money to make hajj, but you don't have any way to get over to Mecca to make hajj. Right? Pray standing. You don't have the ability to pray standing. Okay, pray sitting. You don't have the ability to pray sitting. Pray laying down. Right? So commandments are based upon capability, whereas prohibitions, everyone has the ability to stay away from the haram. The scholars they mentioned. that staying away from something there is no hardship and difficulty in it because all you're doing is not doing it and the scholars they differ as to whether staying away from something is considered to be an action or not but everyone has the ability to stay away from the haram because it is merely leaving it alone and for this reason, the Prophet ﷺ did not connect to staying away from the prohibitions, capability. So the Muslim is obligated to stay away from all acts of disobedience. And the acts of disobedience are divided into five categories. Number one, al-shirk al-akbar wal-kufr al-akbar. Major shirk and major kufr. Number two, al-shirk al-asghar wal-kufr al-asghar. The second category, the lesser or minor shirk or minor kufr. Number three, al-bid'ah al-mufassiqah. The innovation that does not take you outside the fold of Islam, but it makes you a criminal. Number four, al-kaba'ir. The fourth category, the major sins. And number five, al-sagha'ir, the lesser form of sin. These are the five categories of ma'asi. You have to stay away from all of them. So it is not permissible to go near to the haram. We must stay away from it. Different from the one who has been compelled to do something that is haram then his case is not considered that he is doing something haram like the one who is on the verge of dying and there is nothing else to eat except for pork 
and he has to eat the pork to save his life. So in this case, he's faced with two evils. Eating pork is evil, but at the same time, dying of starvation is evil. So he picks the lesser of the two evils. So it's not said in his regard that he did something haram. Right? No. Also, Barakallah Fikum, when leaving off the haram, one should have the intention that he is leaving off the haram for the sake of Allah so that you get the reward for leaving off the haram. But if a person leaves off the haram out of showing off to the people or just because he doesn't like it, then there is no reward in leaving off that matter of haram. It's not, it's not against him, but it's not for him either. As an example, a, one, one individual, he leaves off khamar because Allah has made khamr haram. Another individual, he leaves off khamr because he doesn't like the taste of beer. So he doesn't drink. Which one is rewarded? The first one. The one who left off the khamr because Allah made it haram. As for the second one, there's no sin on him, but then there's no reward for him either. Right? Because he did it because he just he doesn't like the taste so he doesn't drink or he doesn't like the feeling of being intoxicated so he doesn't drink and other than that so it's important that when a person is leaving off the haram then a person leaves off the haram for the sake of Allah and then the person will be rewarded for leaving off that matter that is haram. But if the person is leaving it off for personal reasons, then there's no reward in that, but at the same time, there's no sin against him. Inshallah ta'ala, we will stop at this point. Whatever is correct, the praise is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And whatever is incorrect, it is for myself. Wasubahanakallahum wa bihamdik. Ashadu an la ilaha illa ant. Astaghfiruka wa atubilik.